Hello and welcome to the Watermark Surge International Podcast on Agile Leadership Lessons. On this podcast, we discuss leadership trends with experienced leaders on what is working, what isn't, and how we can all improve as a leadership cohort. As we enter different stages of this pandemic, we are seeing it affect individuals and businesses in different ways. Transformations are increasing and their priorities have evolved. What was urgent and important at the start of this may not be as urgent. And all of a sudden there are now more urgent priorities. As a leadership cohort, how do we adapt? How do we lead? And how do we engage with our teams in this fast moving world? To share some experiences on this, we've invited three world-class leaders to join us on this podcast. Natasha Moore, partner in charge of transformational program management at KPMG. Amanda Catamol, CEO of the Australian Digital Health Agency. And Kieran Duck, who's a published author on this topic. And we'll be speaking to his transformation experience from Qantas and Essential Energy. I'm David Evans, managing partner of Watermark Search. Amanda, let's start with you. ADHA is an organisation taking us all on a journey and influencing change in all directions. Perhaps you could share a little more with us around the purpose, how your priorities evolved and how you and your team have gotten through this most recent period. Thanks, David, and thank you so much for uh, asking me to be here um, uh, amongst lovely colleagues. So, yes, we have been on the big journey like everybody, and I think for us, um, it was really interesting because we had a really clear transformation agenda prior to the pandemic. Um, we've really been wanting to see, you know, a, a significant uptick in people's engagement with digital health tools um, and use of the kind of tools and technologies that we know are going to really help transform the health system. But what we didn't have was a call to action. And all of a sudden, there it was. And, and like in so many parts of, of really life, um, but in particular around health. And so what it's meant for us has not only given us a platform that just had an impetus and a, and a sort of desire for change that was not something we could never have otherwise had, but also it meant that even though we had to be really clear-eyed about what we want to get to in the end, and that's the really is really a radical transformation of the digital enablement that will provide support to the health system going forward, we had to also be really fluid so that everything we did was cast in terms of the things that Australians needed at the point at which they most needed them. And that gave us real clarity of purpose while we also tried to make sure we didn't lose sight of where we're trying to get to in the end. And, and just one example, probably my favourite, because it's such a stark example, is we had as part of our big plan, um, a sort of two, three year um, planning horizon for the introduction of electronic scripts. And it just became clear by about March last year that as part of what was going to be a radical, radically different way of engaging with doctors and getting your medicines that you need at a time when you almost certainly couldn't do it in any of the ways we were used to, that that was going to need to be a really significant shift. And so alongside the work that health led in telehealth, they said to us, uh, you need to turn the dial up now. And all of a sudden we went from a two-year program to standing it up in six weeks from an almost standing start. Wow. And, and it was just remarkable. Now we're at 26 million electronic scripts. I think we're up there now. And it's now just becoming a really routine part of the way people um, you know, engage with their pharmacists and get their scripts like, like other forms. But what was really interesting about that was it was sort of there, but it was never going to have that kind of impetus. So the ability to sort of scale up so radically 
um, just gave us the opportunity to get something over the line that, that would have got there, but just never had that sense of sitting in people's hearts and minds, being a value proposition that would work for them. The second thing I reckon that it really did and that we needed to get it done was all of a sudden, everybody's clarity of purpose and clarity of role just crystallised. And so all of a sudden, we had this collaboration between us and you know the medical software industry, the peak bodies, the pharmacy sector, everybody said we need to get this done. And that clarity just sort of emerged because of the necessity. And, and I've said to my colleagues in industry and in the pharmacy sector and in other places, obviously GPs had to get on board as well. That's the bit we can't lose, that absolute clarity of purpose and the ability to collaborate and to peel away all of the layers of things that were going to take two years and get to the things that actually turned it into a six week story. And, and I reckon that's the, that's the pit of alchemy that I reckon we need to hold on to as we kind of emerge into this post-emerging, whatever it's going to be, COVID world. Um, and that was one example. But it meant that we had to hold the whole, but accelerate the pieces and get them done in a really different way. And I, I think that's, that's our new going forward. That's great, Amanda. Thank you for sharing. We, we have seen here at Watermark Search that there's a couple of things. It's that... It's that understanding of purpose, understanding everyone's role within that. Another important part is this anticipating change, right? So you had a project that was, you know, an idea, and then all of a sudden there's something that really needs to escalate it up the priority list. And that's really where some of the, the magic can happen. Um, so Kieran, you mean, you've been part of many transformational journeys. Yeah. What's, what's one you could share that really stood out for you and how did you guys get through it? I, I, I actually just want to um, pick up on a couple of points there. I think there's this really interesting dichotomy here as we, you know, particularly as we've gone remote, is how to, how to have both that real clarity of why uh, to keep mo people moving, but also having a level of detail so people know what to do because it's, it's just that much harder to get people in the room. I mean, we, we had the situation... Um, in the electricity industry of this, you know, even as the pandemic was starting or just before it was this acceleration of, of solar energy uh, generation. And that has a fundamental different impact on the way the network is structured. And we saw, you know, we, we at, at essentially started a um, four year transformation program. And about a year in, we realized that the order that we've worked out wasn't really what was needed anymore because of this, this changing market environment. And we had to actually rethink and accelerate a lot of the asset management, the network structure pieces to bring them forward because we were seeing that the, the load associated with that was going up so much faster than what we expected. Now we have to rethink the processes, otherwise this is just gonna run over us. You know, we, we're trying to change the way we work to get more efficient and the way the market is changing is actually going to just run straight over the top of us. And we had to respond quite quickly to that, to think about how we rework the program. Still doing the same elements, but in the same way, um, just accelerating the, point, the, the pieces that were coming at us faster than we expected. And I think a critical piece of that is actually, you've got to be able to have all, all the pieces of the puzzle in front of you and be able to adjust the priorities as you as you um you know see the world changing great and natasha you've um you're in the fortunate position you get to see a lot of companies and how they do it 
and then you're also advising your own firm on how best to do it. How have you how have you seen people adapt to this change? And how have you seen good uh, processes and experiences get um, leaders on board with the pace of change? Thanks, David. It's lovely to be joining Amanda and uh, Kieran on, on this chat as well. Um, I just wanted to call out that I'm coming from the Gambrian Nunawal country and to uh, recognise the contribution of our first Australians uh, to this great country as well. Um, I was listening with interest to Amanda's example, and although we weren't at the forefront um, internally of changing um, a health system to respond to a pandemic, we had a similar experience. And um, I like to think of it as um, rethinking how we engage with risk. And in the past, it would previously be, what's the risk of, of not getting this right? What's the risk of, um, it, you know, if, if we don't uh, have 100% certainty and surety? And it very quickly, almost overnight, became, well, what's the risk of us not having this? Like, we, we absolutely need to get on board and be able to collaborate. So instead of having the lengthy testing cycles that we previously would have had in standing up Microsoft Teams, for instance, um, how's about we say that there's probably a minimal risk of it, uh, of it not being 100% perfect. Um, so let, let's just run with what we have. And so whilst we weren't um, standing up these scripts, we were certainly standing up collaboration tools and we did them uh, over a weekend, where in the past uh, we haven't, um, you know, we, we've taken a much longer period of time for that. Uh, and so we, we certainly saw that uh, internally. And as you called out, David, we are in an incredibly privileged position to be able to help our clients also transform. And I think um, I'd like to note that one of the, the key changes in those organisations that have responded probably best out of um, some of the opportunities and the necessities that, that COVID have brought around are those that have approached the transformation much less as a thing we have to do, but as a change of mindset uh, and of a, an absolute cultural change. So I can put in an IT system, but unless people respond and react differently with that system and use that system in a different way, we're actually not transforming as well. And so uh, I think there's some of the, the key sort of experiences and lessons that um, I've seen in organisations that have been able to transition um, and build that or build on that momentum that Amanda was talking about. That you know, we had a burning platform. It's provided us a different way of working. It's provided us a different experience. How do we continue to capitalise on those really good aspects uh, without losing those uh, and continue to evolve? Um, the other point that I'd like to make is just around. Um, I think those organisations that have found their purpose, uh, and at KPMG we like to talk about. Uh, the importance of how you grow and how that matters. Um, and I think in also building up trust, and trust obviously means many things to, to many people, but um, you know, for, from our employee perspective, them trusting us to do the right thing for their, uh, their wellbeing, uh, our clients obviously trusting us to do the right thing for them, but equally the role that we can play in helping our clients to be trusted by the, the stakeholders that need to uh, engage and, and interact with those. Um, and so I just wanted to call out that as uh, I think a really critical aspect of, um, you know, 2020 and 2021 is, you know, showing us that we can engage with risk, that risk provides opportunity, um, that we need to think about things probably from a, more of a mindset and a cultural change perspective than just a, a pure process perspective. Uh, and the importance of being trusted and building trust um, to, to drive purpose as well. 
Yeah, and Tash, it's, it's really interesting you should frame it in that way. I, I feel exactly the same. And one of the things I've wondered a bit about is, um, as you say, standing up, a, you know, an entire new virtual way of working on a weekend is, is absolutely engaging with risk differently. But I also wonder whether on the trust point, because staff know you haven't spent months agonising, everyone's having to really work together in an incredibly uncertain environment, probably knowing it isn't going to be perfect on day one, even week one or month one, but in a sense that sense that leadership is bringing everyone with us on the journey because our, our engagement is different. We're all saying, listen, we've stood this up on a weekend. It's absolutely, you know, we all want this to work well, probably won't be perfect the first time. We're going to work that through together. That sense of kind of visible... Um, open leadership that tells the story together of, well, you know, we haven't spent forever and it's not going to be perfect, this is going to be a journey, I think actually not only engenders that trust but has really created a sense of the whole organisation then engaging with these things really different. It's almost given us more licence, I think, to experiment and to together work that through. I wonder what you've seen, well, has that, had that kind of played out like that for you? Yeah, I think, that, I think that's spot on, Amanda. The... You know, we, we often talk um, about transformation, the need to build agility into transformation. Um, and, and, you know, that requires what, in, you know, 2020 being described as safe to fail, um, but now it's really safe to try. Um, so we're happy to have a crack and, and to, to try things out uh, and also have that, that real um, authenticity to say, look, you know, this has happened overnight or this has happened in a, a really compressed time frame. It's not going to be perfect, but we're absolutely all trying to head in the same direction. We're trying to, to help us to be able to respond. And, um, you know, we've, we certainly saw that um, within KPMG in, you know, just the, the recognition for our IT guys that they're also dealing with everything that COVID has, has brought on them from a personal perspective uh, and, you know, some of them in, in lockdown and, and, and the like, but, you know, they're still tried to, to make a difference and, and we're absolutely appreciative of that. And I, I think that's, you know, that's brought out a real degree of humility and uh, caring and a, and a sense of belonging, you know, in this together and it's going to be okay. We're going to get through. And, and we're also, it's not going to be 100%, you know, 80%. That's, that's pretty good. Um, we'll, we'll kind of accept that with the view that we can continue to evolve um, in, in an agile way. So, yeah, I think I'm spot on. Yeah, and I've also seen that that shift, the, the really need to shift from a, a planning focus to a learning focus to, um, you know, designers often talk about, you know, make to learn and learn to make. We're, we're putting it out there. We're, we're going to see what it tells us about the world. Um, and it generates a, a curiosity and a stronger feedback, a, 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 you know, a, a more positive feedback loop, I think, rather than one that is complaining about, Oh, this doesn't quite work. Rather, switching that that language to be more of, well, that's great, and and rather than um, you know trying to find the fault so much, just looking to improve it. And did you see in that, Kieran, a sense of empowerment? Like that, that was one of my things that I observed as people might not have tried before because they thought a hierarchy might prevent them, but now. You know, everyone's trying really hard. Um, maybe that's my opportunity to also put forward my innovation or, or good ideas. Yeah, um, I mean, one of the harder things I certainly found was to generate those those free flowing conversations. You know, we, we all put in the remote tools, but I 
I did find when I managed to get back into the office that that couple of days with the whiteboard was much more powerful than a couple of weeks trying to draw people out remotely. And so, yes, they're still willing to contribute, but I, I don't know if you guys have had any um, good examples of it, but I, I all the way through, I, I struggled to find a really good way of having that real generative conversation that passes the pen round in front of a whiteboard. Yes, we've got all you know, the various tools that you use, but there, there seemed to be something lacking in this remote operation. I don't think we've really, really cracked yet um, in the way we can generate better than actually having people in the room. Yeah, I, it's interesting, Karen. I've had mixed experiences of it. So I think, I think this is fascinating. I reckon this is now, you know, one of the live conversations as we go forward. Um, in, I started this job remotely. So if you had told me two years ago that you would get your first CEO gig and start it from your you know, home office, which started off as the dining table, uh, I would have said, no, not, absolutely not, not for me. And particularly because I'm the person who starts a role, dropping in on everybody, having a yarn. Like that's how I build my kind of way of engaging in a new place. So I just thought it was every degree of nightmare for me. But what I did find, and when I reflect on it now a year and a bit into the job, I, I reckon I'd say it was at least neutral and I reckon arguably better. And what I did think was better for me, and it, it almost was like it, it saved me from myself a little bit because it, what it did make me do was to engage in every domain in the right amounts. Because you've got, you know, you've got it, particularly when I was coming in, everyone had done all this lovely, you know, and kind of set me up to ensure that I met with everybody and I understood all the bits. And instead of me going to my default pieces, which is really mostly about staff engagement, they, it actually meant that I spent an hour a day facing the budget, an hour a day facing the, the kind of governance structures, an hour a day engaging with the board. You know, I've got board and a, a number of advisory committees. I kind of, it meant that I got across all the domains far more equally than I would have left to my own devices. And when people popped up on the screen, for at least the first two months, I frankly had no idea who most people were nor did I know where they sat in the scheme of things. And there was a great kind of democratisation to that because I took everybody as I saw them and there were things weren't being filtered in the... Not that everyone means to, but you know, it's like things go up the, the line. That just didn't happen. And I'd say to someone who I wasn't sure of who, where they sat in the scheme of life, oh, that's a great thing. I love that. Let's, you know, and so there was all this sort of... I just felt like I got to know people in this really flat way um, and just engage with the people as they came up in a, and also gave me structure. So I actually felt like that was quite enlivening and I felt like I got to know people in a much broader way than I might have otherwise. But I also think, you're right, when you want to get your whiteboard story, yeah. trickier. And I actually, in, in a funny fusion of old and new, actually had a, bought a whiteboard and had it behind my computer when I was <laughs> with my executive and they'd go, oh, Amanda, seriously, you're supposed to be running the digital health agency. But it was quite, it was kind of quite handy in a weird way because we'd write it up and they could all see it. Then we'd take it off and we'd send it to each other. And so we tried to build a bit of fusion, um, which didn't always work, but it was really trying to just draw on whatever you could to create that, that dynamic. And I think we've got better at it. I, I think yeah. as a team, we're better at it now than we were six months ago. And, and I do think that that, and it really is that the, the one that I did struggle with was that generative piece. But I think it added, particularly in the likes of Essential with a massive remote operation, the ability to drop in on a toolbox talk 
in you know, Wagga this morning and Dubbo the next morning and get everybody, you know, of the, all the frontline leaders on one call for an hour and, and have exactly the same message go to everybody was um, a real beneficial piece that we certainly don't want to lose. The, the fact that you do have that, that, that interaction available to you um, without having everybody to travel a few hundred kilometres to be in the same room. Um, I know David probably wants to crack on with some of the other questions, but this is uh, really interesting in your perspective. Amanda and I'd offer um, for a, a senior and um, an established operator, it, it could be, um, you know, um, that the new ways of working could have been quite um, beneficial. Um, I certainly know for our teams um, where we have sort of people newer to the workforce that it's been quite a challenge, especially in a business where being highly networked and understanding services and skills and capabilities. Um, and so, you know, as soon as borders have opened up, the teams have absolutely embraced the chance for face-to-face -face contact just because that is such a, a critical part, uh, introvert or not, such a critical part of, of uh, the way that, um, you know, certainly consultants um, need to, to grow and learn. So um, I think it's probably appealed to, to quite a lot of people and for others, it's been incredibly challenging um, and, and we need to in our, our new ways of working, um, sort of recognise what's the best of that um, and, and what do we absolutely still need to hold true to that we, um, requires sort of face-to-face -face interaction or is best done as a face-to-face -face, um, conversation. I think, I think you're right, Tash, and we can be um, reminisced to think that everyone has responded to these new ways of working the same. Everyone's responded differently and uh, we need to give people the opportunity to hold that pen for that whiteboard or use whatever tools appropriate. Um, and I, a question for all of you, what, what have you done or what have you seen that's worked well to get some of those people to express in some of these new mediums, express an opinion, contribute, and what have you seen work potentially not so well? Kieran. Um, just on that point in terms of different um, styles and different individuals, I, I, I certainly saw early on in the, the pandemic that we had um, some people, yeah, not cope very well with it. They're, they're used to ha sitting next to somebody having a chat. And now they've got to sit in their one bedroom flat and talk to people over the phone. And, and some people have really struggled with that. What we saw um, generally were those people who had uh, fairly almost process jobs, you know, where, where they knew what they need to do and they were able to get through it in the day, operated quite well remotely. Um, but those who definitely relied more on learning from others, whether it's sitting in a call centre and talking to somebody next to you about what just happened, um, those were the ones that, that struggled more in that, that early situation. And so what we look to do is um, absolutely, you know, keep the remote operation, keep our people safe, keep our community safe, keep the power on at the time but also in what ways can we get people to interact and, and you know, achieve that social connection that they wanted. Um, and, you know, certainly I saw when we did get back together, that lift in energy as people started to come back in and particularly in projects, you know, that we had people, we had project managers. In fact, one 
um, person started and finished completely remotely. And you know, it, it's a I saw on projects it's a very difficult thing. The startup process was was that much slower in a remote operation as you're trying to build those social norms and understand people around you and and missing out on those the chats that you have about the weekend as you leave the meeting room all those elements weren't there so we worked um harder to get those people in those situations where you're starting up trying to get them back together as soon as possible so that they could build that relationship and then disperse again to to maintain the safety amanda what have you what have you seen work so uh, I, I share Kieran's views as being really variable depending on where you are, what kind of role, you know, how you normally experience the workplace. And I think that is going to be, you know, the continued work we do together going forward. For me, uh, we, we had, we built really quite early a really strong platform around, around mental wellness and wellbeing. Uh, which we used as a framework for a whole range of initiatives that were designed to kind of hold people and hold our togetherness as we as we kind of walk through the last 18 months. And it was staff-led, so it was really d designed by a group of, um, a, a wonderful group of our staff, and then continually iterated. It's on that same sort of premise of we're not going to get it perfectly right, but we're totally here to make sure that we can support you in as many ways as possible. And through that prism, we did a bunch of things routinely that worked well. So we did things like we had a mental um, wellness uh, engagement twice a week. One of them was a stretch exercise. Another one was a meditation type exercise that was that sort of everyone knew was part of the rhythm. And so you could dip in and out of that whenever you wanted. And what was really important, of course, was seeing leaders dip in and out of that. So I made, it was extremely beneficial, I have to say, but also made a real point of being there as well as I found it really useful. And in fact, we encouraged people when they had their kids remote learning or they had, we were in a caring situation for others to join. So people quite visibly had you know, and my kids did the meditation and the stretch a couple of times, as did many others. So we built a sort of a structure that was the holding um, kind of bundle, if you like. And then we did, then we experimented with a range of things. And the ones that worked the best were those that were an, a virtual version of something that we would engage in normally. So we did a lot of walk and talks where you'd put your hat in the ring, we'd pair you up with a colleague from wherever, and you'd go out for your, your lunch break and you'd walk and talk and we'd give it a theme for fun, but frankly, it was just to engage with a colleague and learn something in the way that you might if you would come into the kitchen and started talking. Um, and those, uh, those went really well. And they, and they did, I think Kieran's right, it's the energy in a sense. It, it, it meant that the energy levels went up again. So I think what can happen in remote learning is it, it feels a little bit flatter. You don't get that, you know, that vibe that happens and, and it created a little bit of that vibe and then it was able to sort of dip in and out a bit. Um, and so that, I think that went well. And in fact, um, and the other thing we did is we held periods of the day where we said no meetings. So we did, there were no meetings between 12 and one and nothing after 4.30. And that just gave everyone that ability to manage, you know, the remote learning experience of some parents, the need to get that exercise that's gonna help your mental health. So I think those things work well. And my view is they're all applicable really strongly to this new contemporary working approach we should be taking and probably should have been taking for a long time or just hadn't had that, that the kind of um, impetus to make that an absolutely embedded part of working life. Yeah, we also saw that on some of, around some of the deliverables, you know, on the pro projects where you run really hard 
and then when we'd block our time for it to be okay not to contact anybody and just say, you know, particularly around long weekends, we had some deliverables close to those. So we made it a four day weekend and, you know, and, and leader led, you know, basically the leader saying, we're not going to be checking email. You don't need to do it. We're not going to be online. Um, and, and forcing people to take more of a break because they're so used to being in this one spot and their daily exercises, the 12 steps to the fridge, um, rather than, you know, creating a space for them to, to, to be more active, to, to step away from it. Wellness is such a, a big thing we're seeing more and more focus on, and I hope that it continues into this hybrid model, if that is the next step that we go into. Um, Tash, what have, what have you seen that's worked really well? Yeah, thanks, David. It's, it's been really interesting, isn't it? It's invited a whole different type of conversation between um, between teams. Um, I mean, some of the, the best openings to meetings have been, you know, dogs needing to go out or in or kids, you know, or other members of the family not being appropriately dressed for the meeting. Um, there's actually a, a partner in Melbourne who has his bookcase colour-coded, which provided endless hours of uh, ribbing from the, the people that were <laughs> on those conference calls listening. Um, so I think, um, you know, that, that's um, helped to, to be able to have a conversation with people on a more personal level and uh, see you wearing your, your footy jersey, uh, how'd your team go, or how, how are you sort of feeling about that? And so I think that was a really pleasing aspect of it. It empowered you to have, or gave you permission to have that sort of a conversation. Uh, in terms of some of the things that uh, certainly worked well in our workplace, um, we've set up a range of programs. Um, one was called Brew Buddies, where uh, a senior member of the team was joined up with a, a junior member of the team and had nothing to do with work. Well, it could have been if that, if that was where the conversation went, but it was just an opportunity to get to, to know each other. And, and that interaction may not have happened in a face-to-face -face sense. So it was, it was kind of forced, but it was very... Um, very non-sort of structured when the, the interaction happened. And, you know, we had, you know, a national managing partner of, of management consulting chatting with, you know, the newest sort of graduate that's joined and they're just having a, a, a really uh, authentic conversation. Um, I think, you know, use of technology helped to enable a different way of working as well. So, you know, there previously may have been a presenteeism expectation and certainly, you know, the fact that you can now record a meeting in teams and people can look at it when they're able to sort of empowered, you know, life to go on around uh, what it was that we need to do in a, a work sense and, and transcription of, of meetings obviously helped um, to do that. Uh, much like Amanda and, and Kieran have called out, uh, we did things like digital detox as well, recognising that people were actually working longer because um, they had no, I guess that, what's that, third space, um, no break between home and, and office. Um, and so, you know, um, I think Thursday afternoon, um, digital detox, um, you can do whatever you want, but, you know, don't expect if you're sending emails that people will respond. Uh, I've also uh, invested heavily in workplace um, mental you know wellness um programs um, that sort of focused on how to set your day up for success making sure that you 
are getting the relaxation and the rest and recovery that, that your body and your role requires of you, um, how to sort of re-engage back into the workplace now that, you know, we're, we're returning as well. Um, and so, yeah, that, that was some of the things that, that I thought worked really well, but um, just to, to reflect the, the changing of the narrative and the changing of the conversation that it, it is okay to have a life outside of work. It's okay to have other competing commitments, uh, to have a, to be a real person, to have a real life and for people to see that. So it was really, um, really one of the key benefits if there has been benefits out of this crisis. Well, I'd like to thank all our panelists today. Thank you so much for your great contribution. And I hope all our listeners have taken something away from it. Natasha Moore, partner in charge of transformational program management at KPMG, Amanda Catamol, CEO of the Australian Digital Health Agency, and Kieran Duck, uh, published author. Uh, we'll put the link um, in, our, in our website, the Complex Project Toolkit, if you're at all interested. Thank you all for your contribution. Thanks, David. Thanks, Toad. Thanks, David, and thanks, Watermark. That concludes the podcast. I hope you've enjoyed listening to the leaders sharing their experiences. If you're interested in hearing more, please subscribe and stay tuned to our publications from Watermark Search International.